We're starting a series today called Saturate, and the heart of this series over the next few weeks is to help us uh, reorient ourselves around God's mission in what it means to, um, to be as living in local presence in our, in, our, in our world, in our city, in our communities, our neighborhoods, our networks, um, but also... You know, what does that, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for us? How, what is God doing in us? How does he want to work in us? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, walking through that in different ways. And I'll explain in a minute. I was at a barbecue this summer. And uh, the person that was barbecuing was a master griller. I would say master griller. Pretty awesome at grilling. And he knew what he was doing. And he knew how to slowly marinate a piece of meat. Uh, like, sorry if you're a vegetarian. We'll get to you in a second. But he, he, he just knew how to do that. He knew how to marinate beforehand and, and when to spread the herbs during the process and during the cooking process. And the result was just amazing. Like, he went around, had these little slices of meat. It was so juicy. We were able to take a piece and it it was just the result was tender, juicy, delicious piece of meat that kind of like melted in your mouth. It was so good. And, and why I say that is there's, there's this goodness of the taste of herbs and other things that kind of get into a meat when you marinate it. And, and the, the whole goal of it is that as you do that, all these tastes seep through the meat. And make it happen. Now, if you're a vegetarian, you can do this with portobello mushrooms. So I just wanted to put it up on the side and, uh, and try that. So it's okay. It'll work just the same. But you get my point. The point is when you marinate, whether a big portobello mushroom or a piece of meat, uh, you know, the, the whole goal is that the taste seeps through every corner, every inch of that thing. So when you eat it, you can taste the fullness and richness of the taste of that. It's so cool. And, and I'm sorry if I'm making you want to go eat now and go to a steakhouse or something. I'm really sorry about that. But think about it. Thinking about that image and thinking about our fall and thinking about starting uh, September and both in the rhythms of our church, but also in the rhythms of your life, this idea of saturation kept coming back to me. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to look at what it means to, for, to at the end goal is, what does it mean to saturate our community and our city? But what does it mean for us to also be saturated by truth, the goodness of Jesus? Um, the scriptures say, taste and see that the Lord is good. How can we be a reflection of that? What does that mean working within us? And so our vision as a church is continually the same, obviously to be God's living in local presence in our neighborhoods and networks, to saturate the city with the good news of Jesus, to see lives transformed, connected to Christ and each other. Part of the way we do that is through seeing our community groups grow and multiply into different neighborhoods, seeing ourselves in our networks or workplaces like we, we heard this morning and what that means. It means uh, our church becoming a, a stronger presence in our city as a witness to who Jesus is. But before we get to this larger circle, I, I just drew a picture of these concentric circles on the screen. And, you know, it's so easy to think about this larger circle. Oh, I want to influence the city or I want to influence my network or I want to see, we want to see community groups all over the city. And it's, it's easy sometimes to, to get so caught up with this vision of the larger circle and what that would look like saturating the city. But as we get, you know, closer to the middle, really it's about you and me and what is saturating our lives? What is saturating our hearts? What is saturating our thoughts? There's two questions for you, and they're on the screen so we can think about them. What saturates you that creates a life that is so appealing to you and others? That might be a nice vision, 
But what saturates you that actually leads to that? But the reverse is true as well. What saturates you that creates a life you actually don't want? Is there things that are saturating your life that are actually leading you to a life you don't want? We're going to get to scripture and, and sprinkle through scripture today. So my approach in, in how we read the scripture today will be different than just focusing on one text. But before we get to that, I want to just consider like what saturates our lives intentionally or unintentionally? What saturates us intentionally or even unintentionally? And here's three things that I was thinking about today that I'm sure that, that some of us or all of us in one way um, intersect with in our daily life. The first one is, is consumerism. And it's a, you know, it's a big topic and people often talk about it or critique it. But when you think about how our world uh, leads us to consume things. I was reading an article on the new Apple S6S, S, you know, and, and they just introduced a new color. It's called rose gold. And the New Yorker thought it was so important that they wrote a whole article on rose gold and why rose gold is going to be so popular. And then I was in a coffee shop the other day and there was a rose gold cup. And I thought, okay, maybe this is catching you know, maybe Apple knew this. And then I read on to why they chose gold in the first place before they chose rose gold. They were hitting the Chinese market and they knew that the Chinese market, Chinese people like gold better than they do silver. So they created an iPhone that was gold color. It was all about how can we get more people to buy our product? How can we get more people to consume uh, the stuff that we're producing? I was, uh, I was watching, uh, I, I came across this, and maybe, maybe many of you know uh, Stephen Colbert. He used to have the Colbert Report, and now he's going to be the new host of, uh, of Late Night, uh, taking David Letterman's spot. And I don't know if you can put this on, Abigail. It's this clip where Colbert um, mockingly uh, helps us understand uh, how celebrity culture always wants to get our attention about something and thinking that it should be so important. So just take a look at this, this short Stephen Colbert bit that... Um, yeah, he's inviting us to look at his brand. So t- take a look at that. The volume. Oh, the top. Oh, I was just enjoying my lifestyle, like I do every day, here in my living woods. Mmm, <laughs> Parmesan absinthe. As a celebrity, my life is filled with luxury items, hand-selected jewelry, and the illusion of free time. If you're like me, and I am, you're a unique individual who wants to be just like Stephen Colbert. And that means more than just looking like the great Gatsby threw up on you. To help people like us, I founded my new company, Coveton House. At Coveton House, we combine classic Southern living, the breezy charm of the English countryside, and whatever they had left over at the prop warehouse. Isn't that right, Carousel Horse? Of course, people think of me as a talk show host, but my real passion, ever since I was a child, is being a brand. That's why every time my parents said my name, I would sue them for trademark infringement. (laughs) Coveton was created for you, because we want you to want the things that we are want to want you to want. That's why our motto at Coveton is, want. (laughs) One thing you will want are these beautiful hand-touched suede coasters. They're an elegant way to say to guests, don't get these wet. Only $175 for each set of one coaster. Or this handsome handcrafted oak tie stand, painstakingly carved out of locally sourced hat stands. 
and for $895, we offer a premium handheld bison wallet. It's not made of bison. A bison made it. Remember, you can't say bison without bison. Lastly, a Coveton exclusive. This one-of-a-kind antique designer sofa lovingly reclaimed from an artisanal curb in Brooklyn. It's decorated with its original hand-lettered folk art. But Coveton House doesn't just sell things. It's a haven for conversations. Conversations that begin with a warm handshake between equals and end with the three-digit code on the back of your credit card. So stop by Coveton House today and treat you to some me. In fact, I envy you, because unlike you, I never had a me to tell me what I like. <laughs> what? Who's in? Who's in for the suede coaster? Uh, this is just his way of mocking celebrity worship, mocking every celebrity trying to create their own brand and buying stuff of incredible uh, amounts for, no, for maybe that aren't worth that much. But think about this. This, whole, this saturates us. Stuff like this. Now, he's making a mockery of it, but when we look at the world, the world is trying to saturate us in a certain way of thinking. Thinking about some TV shows, and if you look at TV shows that are about law or politics or business, they all kind of have the same message I've noticed. It's, you, gotta, you can win at any cost. Win at any cost. Pursue success at any cost. And this trickles down into our culture. I was at, in a soccer game with my daughter and, uh, at a soccer team this summer. And we were sitting by the field as the girls were playing. And the opposite team was pushing some of our players. And I heard parents from the other team say, it's okay, you can push them. Like, do it, do it. And then we overheard uh, the coach telling their girls, listen, we're here to win at all costs. And so we, we start saying, well, maybe this is, we're getting saturated with a certain theme, a certain concepts that we're bombarded with in culture, consumerism, media. There's another one that, you know, is thinking about this. As we jump into a fall season, many of us, you know, when we hit September, and sometimes it happens with certain months of the year, January is one of them, but September is one of them as well. You, you intentionally start creating your schedules and you start planning what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, what's going to be important, what's not as important, what you're going to, if you have kids, where you sign your kids up in programs or athletics or something like that. And really, what, if you look at this for a moment, if you look at your schedules, often it'll tell you what you're saturated with, what is saturating your life, what is priority, what, what are you filling your life with when you fill your schedules. So think about consumerism, media, schedules, we, we see this. We are saturated in ways sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. You have control over your schedule, but sometimes messages get thrown at you that saturate your life and lead you and influence you in a certain way. The scriptures is filled with the idea of saturation. In fact, it's God's dream that his presence would saturate the earth. It's God's dream that his kingdom would, would, would break in as it broke in through Jesus and would, would bless people and saturate the earth. Here's a, here's a verse from Habakkuk chapter 2.14, one of the prophets. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. God's desire throughout the story of God in scriptures is that his presence, the knowledge of him, his glory would saturate the earth, would fill the world. 
God's glory is like God's essence, God's presence, and it reflects his purpose, it reflects his love, it reflects his values, it reflects his vision for human life, and it's all wrapped up into what we call God's glory. And it's his desire that this would spread throughout the earth. It's God's vision that everyone would know his glory. Everyone would know his heart. Everyone would experience his love. And we see this idea of saturation scattered throughout the scriptures, and we have to ask, well, how does God do this? Is it just his presence by his spirit? Well, that's part of that. But he wants to use people. Right from Genesis chapter 1, when we read in the creation account, um, God tells Adam that he is his image bearer, and we read that, that humanity is created to subdue the earth, to, to steward the earth, to bless the earth, to act and live in such a way that would reflect their creator. I love when we get into Genesis chapter 6 and 7, the story of Noah. God tells Noah that, that he's going to bring a flood and, and, and the world has gone off. And in a sense, the world's been saturated with man's sin or human's sin. And what we get here is this first glimpse of the story where something has been saturating the world that is not part of God's vision. And then after the flood, God tells Noah, sets up this covenant with him, this promise, and says, I want you to fill the earth. I want you to live out who I am and who I've created you to be. There's a prayer in Psalm chapter Psalm 9, 119, verse 64, and it's such an amazing prayer. The, the psalm writer says this. It's, it's, it's like a worship phrase to God. He says, the earth is filled with your love, Lord. The earth is, is filled with your love. But then he says, teach me your decrees. In essence, it seems like the writer is praying this prayer. God, the earth is filled with your love. I see glimpses of it. But then he says, God, would you teach me your decrees? What he's saying is, God, would you saturate me with your truth? Would you saturate me with your vision? Would you saturate me with your law and your love? He recognized how God is filling the earth. His love is present. But then he says, Lord, saturate me so I can be part of this. So I can live this out. In the New Testament church, we get even a stronger understanding of how God uses his people to saturate the world with God's goodness. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Here's Paul writing to this New Testament church in Ephesus. He says, And God placed all things under his, talking about Christ, under Christ's feet, and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Here's this sense of God longing to fill the earth with his love, with his grace, with his fullness. But look at what happens here. He's, he's helping his church, his people understand Jesus, the one you follow, he is your head. You are his body. You are his people. And through you, through you, God wants to bless the earth. Through you, God wants to saturate the world with his goodness. Through you, God wants to extend his kingdom to every nation and every neighborhood and every network. So God sends Jesus to bring the world back to him. But as people welcome Jesus and they follow Jesus, in a sense, the psalmist's prayer, Lord, teach me, saturate my heart, becomes full in Jesus because Jesus begins to lead us and his spirit begins to fill us and he begins to teach us and his words, both the stories of Jesus and the scriptures, begin to change. And then we start to understand, oh, God is using us 
in a, in a powerful way to saturate the world. But it starts with you and me. That sounds like a big calling. That sounds like a big deal. But it's such a privilege that God, God's desire is to saturate the world with his goodness and that he would want to use you and me to be part of that. Now, the obvious observation is we all fail. God, why do you want to use us? We fail at times. Even in the interviews today, we heard honesty about sometimes I don't, I'm not exactly how I would like to be with others. But the beautiful thing is God still entrusts us with this mission, saturating the earth with his goodness, with the gospel. Here's the beauty. It doesn't depend on our perfection. Jesus is the perfect one. Jesus is the one who's leading us. And we point people to Jesus. I'm so glad Wendy and Oscar, when we asked them for prayer, they didn't say, my biggest prayer is that I hope people will come to know me. (laughs) But they said, no, my prayer is that somehow God would help me be a witness. A witness to who? A witness to, to who Jesus is. A witness to who God is. And he entrusts us with this task. And the beauty is we rely on Christ. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul was able to say in Galatians 2, he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. So here today, we're going to just have a simple start to this series. Because we can talk about all the concentric circles that we showed before and we can really kind of go big on this. But here's the question, or here's the, the truth. Saturation will happen intentionally or unintentionally. Saturation in your life will happen intentionally or unintentionally. My son the other day um, made a, an Eggo waffle in the, uh, in the toaster oven and then he poured the syrup and I swear, I said like, Andrew, how much syrup are you pouring? Like, like, you don't, like it was fully drenched, in and out, underneath, on top and everything and I thought, oh, I gotta take a picture of this. It, and that's just normal, right? When you have a can of syrup in your hand, you wanna drench the pancake or the waffle. You just wanna saturate it with Goodness of sugar in that, right? And, and, you know, the point is this, is that sometimes it's actually probably happened to you. Even if you haven't wanted to, sometimes you've poured too much. That's unintentional saturation. This, for my son, was intentional saturation. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes it's intentional. But the point is, we will be saturated in one way or another. So here, here's how I want to close today. And here's my invitation to you and to me as we begin this series and as we invite God to work in us. Here's two questions to leave you with. What is saturating your life right now? Just pause for a moment. What is saturating your life right now? Do you know it? Do you know what's saturating your life right now? Can you discern what's saturating your life right now? If If there was a way to somehow scan your brain and your heart and there was a report written up what would it say your life is saturated with? What's saturating your life right now? Are you, are you more saturated um, with some TV show that you're following, and like, which is really awesome? Are you more saturated with some of the concepts we talked about before? Are you more saturated with goodness and grace? It's just a question. What is your life or my life saturated with right now? And my initial request today, because it's just the beginning of this, know it. 
discern it, and then the question is, keep it or drop it? Keep it or adjust it? You might have to drop it, you might have to adjust it, but maybe you need to keep it. What is saturating your life right now? But here's the next question to kick us off over the next few weeks. What must saturate your life right now? What is is a good observation question. What must is more about a vision. What must saturate your life right now? And in the same way, do you know that? Can you discern it? Will you live into it? Will you move into it? What's saturating your life right now? What must saturate your life right now? Let's stand as we close. There's an author, his name is Dallas Willard, and, and I've, we've quoted him before. I've quoted him before. He's a wonderful writer. He passed away about a year ago. And, and I never, I, I, you know, if you read some of his books, I read several of his books, and I'm always amazed at, like, the depth of, of love he has for Christ. He's a, he's a, now, he's not working in a Christian uh, ministry. He's, he was a, a t- philosophy teacher at the University of Southern California for many, many years. So he definitely, you know, lived and worked among just a variety of people. But I, I always wondered, you know, how, how is, is it possible for him to just flow out these words and concepts and ideas based on what it means to live to follow Jesus? And I remember hearing him share once about what it means to immerse yourself in God's truth. And he said, you know, these days, teaching at USC and writing papers and theses and marking and following doctoral students, I don't have the, time, the, the, the length of time every single day to, to immerse myself in scriptures. I do a little bit at a time and in terms of prayer and scripture. But he said there was, there was seasons of my life that he literally said this, that I spent days, this was what he said, days immersing myself in the stories of Jesus. Days immersing myself in the writings of Paul. Days immersing myself in getting close to God through prayer. And I'll never forget those words, specific words he used. Basically, he was saying there were seasons and they still come where I will take time and I will saturate myself in what I believe I must, the direction I must go in. I'll leave you with that thought as we ask those two questions. What is saturating your life, my life right now? What must saturate your life right now. In the next few weeks, we're going to unpack this and see how it can move from us and you to the world around us. But let's pause and pray right now. Father, we invite your spirit to use these questions to stir our hearts. At least that first question is maybe a different answer for many of us. In that second question, I'm sure most of it points to you, but maybe the new instance of how and when as we walk through this series. But we just say welcome to your Spirit's work to be stirring our hearts. Help us to be aware of the things that saturate our lives in the moment. God, we live in a world where there's just so many ideas around and it's not about living every day feeling guilty about the stuff that's around us, but being aware of the things that are vying for our attention. 
God, help us to know it, discern it, keep it or lose it, keep it or adjust it. By your spirit, God, help us to also see what must saturate our lives. So we just say yes to how your spirit wants to reveal that in us this week. And as we learned about faith and work today earlier, we we also say welcome to how you want to work in us, not just right now in this moment, but as we're home with our kids, as we're at work, as we're in a meeting or a presentation or a warehouse, as we are um, leading our kids as we're in relationships with others and our neighbors. God, we welcome your leading so our faith can transition into our wake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.